Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Thanks for joining me for the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. My guest today is someone I've known for nearly a decade. Not only is he a terrific performer, but he's a really interesting person and an all-around good dude. He is the Darewolf, PJ Black. PJ, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, Kevin, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. That's, I'm always excited to talk wrestling. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk wrestling, and we'll, we'll talk about a lot more uh, today. Sounds so, good. What have you been up to uh, these past few months? There have been no shows in Ring of Honor since February. What have you been doing? Um, just trying to be, trying to stay productive. Um, I don't own a television. I'm not a gamer or anything, but I read a lot of books. I, uh, I read about nine, probably like 10 books now. I'm on my second audiobook. I actually started writing a book. Um, I started drawing some sacred geometry. I make some origami sometimes. <laughs> I'm a real nerd, really. Um, See, I, told, I said he's a in, really interesting person. I wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> and then the skydiving place is open. So I tried to go get in a couple of jumps this weekend, but my gear has expired. You know, like we got to check our gear every so often. The military guys pack our reserve parachutes and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty safe sport people didn't realize that but uh yeah i'm getting back into that so i'm super excited i'm actually getting my uh, paragliding license uh this weekend it's gonna take about 12 days um, i start on saturday i'm, I'm really excited because i've been wanting to do this for years well i mean you do everything you, you jump out of airplanes skydiving base jumping why not paragliding right exactly i, I do like paragliding a lot because in skydiving and base jumping we log our jumps right i would a book of, of every single jump I've ever done. The paragliding guys log hours because that's how long they stay up there for. <laughs> you can literally stay up there all day if you, if you know how to, wow. how to manipulate the weather. Well, you mentioned that you've been reading books, nine or 10 books. I'm, I'm just curious, what kind of books do you like? Are these fiction, nonfiction, a mix? Like what kind of books do you read? I, I don't like fiction and I don't like uh, autobiographies, although I will do some autobiographies here and there, but I, it's a lot of philosophy, a lot of a lot of esoteric philosophy, quantum physics, because I'm trying to understand how, you know, energy works in, 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 in time and space and space and time, which is fascinating. Um, you know, they didn't teach us this stuff at school. I don't know why they don't teach people this stuff in school. Well, we'll get into some of those things uh, a little later, and I definitely want to talk to you about the, some of those subject uh, matters. But you okay. mentioned also you don't have a TV. You're the the only other wrestler I know, or only other person I know who doesn't own a TV, I think, was uh, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan. Um, what's this? Why no? Like, you just don't find TV interesting, or are you one of those people that like watches things online, or what's the story there? Yeah, I'll, I'll watch some stuff on on Netflix or Gaia here and there, but I, I just feel like it's a brainwashing tool, man. Think it, think about it. That's why it's called late night programming. It's literally programming your subconscious. Like once I, once I read this book on, on quantum physics and how to evolve the brain, I understand how easy it is to actually brainwash people. I mean, you don't even have to have your TV on at certain times. It's crazy, like how it works. It's, a, it's, that's, it's, a, yeah, I just don't want to be brainwashed, man. <laughs> and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm that tinfoil hat guy. I don't know. But I, you know what? I just find a lot of 
I, I find it fun to read books lately. I mean, you know, I, I, I never used to read as a kid, so it's something new for me. And, and the, it's true what they say, knowledge is power, because the more I, I know, the more I want to know. And the more I, I, I find out, the more I realize that we don't know anything. Yeah, well, reading, I think, in general, in this country anyway, is, is a lost art for sure. I don't think people read nearly as much as they used to. Right. And it's not only this country. It's everywhere, man. I mean, I grew up in South Africa. I should have been reading all the time. We had, we had TV with three channels. I remember getting cable when I was 18 years old for the first time. Not because that's when we got it. That's when the country got cable. <laughs> but... Uh, well, I want to get right into um, the article that you wrote recently for uh, ROHWrestling.com. It was part of uh, Ring of Honor's Word of Honor series, which for those who are unfamiliar, it's an occasional series of articles written by the ROH talent themselves. So you wrote in depth about your base jumping accident from three years ago, which nearly ended your wrestling career and could have ended your life. Uh, for those who haven't read it yet, uh, or they don't know the specifics, what were the injuries that you suffered from that particular accident? <laughs> um, I broke my, my, my right ankle. Well, completely shattered the ankle there to rebuild, reconstruct the whole ankle. People always go, oh, was it the turbo or the fib? I'm like, no, no, no. The whole thing was crushed, annihilated. And then also my right ring finger, I lost a piece of the finger, which they saved which is awesome. They, they said it, it was 99% not savable. Is that a word? <laughs> uh, but now it works. After about two years, the nail finally grew back and I can actually use it. And I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, it's, it'll never look perfect like it used to. Um, I used to be a hand model, actually, in my 20s. Not many people know that, actually. <laughs> so it'll I never go mind. back to that. But uh, I can use it now. I've got full function of it, so that's cool. All right, I got to ask. <laughs> one become a hand model okay so right before i got signed uh, uh to the company that moved me to the u.s i you know i did a bunch of ads here and there i had an agent you know and i was, I was really just signed up to this agency so i could practice promos <laughs> for these auditions and i but like 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 anything once you get one ad and then it kind of just rolls in and then you get another and you get another and i was on set one day and this guy was like wow you got really nice hands do you want to be a hand model and i was like nah not really and he goes, it pays five grand a day. And I was like, yo, sign me up. And <laughs> what, five grand a day. Yeah. And this guy's, I know, but it was super boring work. It was unreal boring because, you know, they, I, my first ad was one of those ads where, you know, the, the bathroom cleaner where it sprays on and then the other hand wipes it off the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I did one of those ads. So the, the makeup people will do, all the special effects people will do the, uh, the dirt, the fake dirt on the shower. And then it'll be like, okay get the actor ready and it's like action spray wipe cut and then i would wait another like five six hours before they set it up again and it was great money but it was just so boring well this almost isn't fair pj because i mean let's be you did some some other modeling as well not just your hands i think everyone would say you know you're a you're in a, a good looking guy but a good looking guy who also has good looking hands i mean that's just not fair <laughs> I know, it used to be. Maybe that's why the, the universe is kind of like testing me like this because my hands are all messed up now. Look at my face, it's all messed up now. But, I'm, you know, I'm happy. I'm, I don't care about – we all know that it's not about the looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, easy for you to say. All right, you got me sidetracked there for a second with the hand model. I just, you know, I immediately thought of uh, George Costanzo on Seinfeld. Are you familiar with that episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, I haven't model. told anyone that story, so that's a, a first. Uh, we are breaking news today on the ROH <laughs> podcast. It's funny, I've known you, like I said, uh, 10 years, and I've already learned like three things I didn't know about. <laughs> that's why these are great. That's why these are great. Well, let me go back to the accident again and, and the article. Um, I know you've talked about the accident before, but I don't think you ever really went in depth the way you did in this article. Yeah. So my question to you is, was it difficult to actually relive it and go back and think about it? Because you really did put the reader in your shoes. I mean, we feel like we're on that 55-story building ledge with you. As you, no. as you look back on it, was it tough? Uh, no, it wasn't actually. It was actually, it was actually very, um, wow, if, if this is even the right word, liberating. It was really cool to kind of like get it off my chest and almost talk about it. It's almost like therapy in a way, you know, like the therapist, they're, they're like, don't suppress these feelings or whatever it is. You have to talk about it. So it was cool because I've told that story a few times to a few different people and it was cool to actually sit down and, and, and you know, get it on, onto paper. So I, I want to thank you for giving me that uh, that platform and, and that idea too because um your buddy justin from sports illustrated called me yesterday and he's like man whose idea was that like did you do you just like think of that idea and i i, I gave you props because oh, uh, you, know, you. You, you you uh you, you came up with the idea i've always wanted to write about it but I, I never did and i mean i have i did there's another thing I, I did tell you this before i did um document the whole recovery process and i started editing the uh the documentary but it just takes me so long so i think i'm just gonna pay someone and help me finish it so that'll that'll come out in the in the near future too wow i can't wait to see it yeah i'm sure that would be that it's a great that you documented it because i'm sure that will be fascinating to see it was a fascinating read and I, I appreciate you giving me the props for the idea but you really took it from there and knocked it out of the park i mean it was uh you know, I can see why you're going to write a book because uh, let's add that to your list of things. You're a damn good writer as well. Oh, thank you very much. I'll, I'll, I'll take that because I'm, I don't think I'm a, a writer, but I can, uh, maybe I am. You know, at school, I was always, always good at, when I learned English, I learned English in high school and the English teacher always told me I was a really good writer. But then one day I had a massive fallout with her because she was kind of cute, long story. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> then she used to think that I used to like cheat and copy other people's work and like she used to... I don't know, just because I wasn't, I wasn't the, the best kid at school always. But uh, yeah, I mean, I never, I never wrote again until recently. Well, I kind of got this inferiority, uh, inferiority complex talking to you because, you know, you can do what I do. The only thing I can really do well is write, and you can do that. I can't do a 450. I can't uh, base jump. I can't jump out of an airplane. I've never been a hand model. I mean, you can if you wanted to. If you apply yourself to anything you want to do, you can do it. That, that's a you told fact. That, you told me that before. <laughs> so that's a fact. That's, that's, <laughs> I, will, I will put some techniques in my book for people so they can learn how to manifest these things. It's actually not that hard. Awesome. Well, yes, the, the regular people like me could learn, PJ. <laughs> we, need a little, we need a little assistance. Let me get back to the base jumping again. For those who are, un are unfamiliar with it, um, can you just tell people basically what base jumping actually is? Yes. So base is actually an acronym. It stands for building, antenna, span, like a bridge, and earth. And those are the four fixed objects that we can jump from 
with a parachute. Um, it's um, so the lower the the lower the jump is, the 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 quicker you want the parachute to extract. So we have to actually modify our gear ourselves, and a lot of work goes into each jump. People think we just jump to get our adrenaline spike. Days and days of planning goes into this. We check the weather. We check the altitude, you know, like a lot of, a lot of planning goes into this, especially like adjusting our gear. Cause I have to know if my parachute, if I needed to extract quicker out of the, the, the container or slower, a lot of work goes into it. And this is a really dangerous sport, correct? I mean, this is, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, there, there's not much, what's the word I'm looking for? There's not much margin for error, correct? Exactly. Yes, correct. Because you don't have a backup parachute. Like in skydiving, you have a backup parachute. If anything goes wrong, you just cut that one away and the backup is always there. But in base jumping, you don't have a backup parachute. In base jumping, in fact, you just have the backup parachute because that thing opens up really quickly and it's much bigger. You said in the article that um, even though you shattered your ankle and you had the injury to your hand, that you didn't really feel any pain until you got to the emergency room, obviously, because that's when the adrenaline wore off. Mm -hmm. Can you describe uh, the intensity of the pain once it did wear off? Like on a scale of, I don't know, one to 10, what was the pain? I mean, that, that's tough because I, it was so long ago. I remember it hurting, but I, I cannot like physically feel it right now or even explain it. I cannot even imagine it, but I mean, it was sore. I didn't cry or anything like that, but I just remember like lying there and, and you know, the, the thought of me never wrestling again or never walking again or not doing the things in life that I enjoy, like jumping and, you know, that kind of like kept me busy the whole time. I didn't even think of the pain so much. I just kept thinking like, man, what am I going to do with my life right now? <laughs> right. That almost hurt more than anything. You know, it was more like an emotional, like a spiritual pain. I mean, the physical pain was obviously there, but like thinking back now, I can just think of that like, like mental pain. Oh, I could imagine going through something like that, a near-death experience and being told you can never, possibly never do the thing that you love to do and have problems walking later in life. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure that was uh, a tough thing to deal with for sure. It, it was. Oh, that's another topic that I enjoy lately is people with near-death experiences. Um, everyone pretty much has the same kind of story and every single person came out bet a better person on the other side. So that, that, that's kind of very inspiring too, in a way. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is, and this comes, follows up the pain, <clears throat> is that you didn't take any painkillers after this accident. And mm -hmm. could tell us why that was. Um, yeah, so they gave me a whole like hundreds of opiates and I've lost a lot of friends to opiates in the last couple of years. And, you know, I didn't want to get hooked on that stuff. You know, it's so easy to get hooked on that stuff. So I started reading and that's where my journey on reading started, you know, because before that I didn't really read anything. And I started reading about alternative healing in holistic medicine. And, you know, I tried everything, you know, tried everything. Um, and I documented everything I tried and the thing that I that I found that worked for me was uh, CBD CBD oil like now now it's like everywhere you know you can buy CBD at a gas station but people just be careful there's so much crap out there but anyway so I, I found CBD and I experimented with it different different cannabinoids if you will 
um, discovered cannabis too. For me personally, it only works with a little bit of THC. So, you know, I started using cannabis, never, never touched it in my life. And that was kind of like a gateway thing for me because once I uh, started using cannabis, I stopped everything else. Like I haven't even touched alcohol uh, since I discovered cannabis, which is fantastic. You know, like my life is just so much healthier, so much better. Like I just get drawn towards eating healthier and living healthier. And maybe it's not only the cannabinoids that I discovered. Maybe it's like the whole process that I've gone through. But, you know, I think everything, all of that goes hand in hand. Well, this was actually your second serious base jumping accident a year before uh, you shattered both ankles, correct? Yep, correct. Um, actually, the doctor who did my surgery, she was like, um, I think this ankle was completely shattered before, <laughs> before you got here. So for a year, I, you know, I, I've, I've been injured maybe three or four times bad in my life and, and, and in wrestling maybe like three or four times. But every, t- every single time, I choose not to have the surgery. And um, yeah, this time I had no choice. I had to get the surgery and it was actually my first surgery ever. Well, the obvious question for me, and I know you did touch on this in the article, is why continue to base jump? I mean, I would think after one accident, I don't know if I'd ever want to do it again, but after two, um, I know I'd be done. Well, look, I'd never do it in the first place. Let's be honest. It's not my thing. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big, big on heights, so I definitely would not be doing base jumping or skydiving or anything like that. But after the second one, did it ever go through your head? Like, you know what? I've had two close calls. I've been lucky. I'm just, I can't take a, a, another risk. It, it has in the back of my mind, but I feel like that's just, that's just human conditioning, human programming to make you think like that, right? You gotta, you gotta think outside the box. You gotta think a little bit higher. Think about this, you, this, this, um, this human experience you're going through, I believe, so I grew up, let me just say this, I grew up super Christian, by the way, but since I've had this near-death experience, it's completely changed my outlook on life. I do believe that you, we choose this incarnation. I chose this avatar. It's almost like playing a video game. That's, that's how I see life. <laughs> and so if this is a video game, remember, your soul will never die. Like it'll just keep going on to the next, to whatever the next life is, whatever you believe. And that's, that's what I felt. That's what I saw when I, you know, when I was kind of crossing over to the other side, if you will. (laughs) So I just take this life as a, as a video game, literally like a video game, do anything that I will, that I can find enjoyment in. And I find enjoyment in flying and jumping. And, you know, like, even if I die, I know I will just, I'll, I'll, either reincarnate myself into this life again or whatever the next life is. So it's, it's people fear death. Death is not a real thing. It's literally just a transformation to the next. Like think about this. What can happen when you die? Basically just the same thing that happened when you were born. Just, you just won't have those memories, but uh, it's, sorry, that's a completely different po- podcast. <laughs> for yeah, no, another day. It's, it's, I, it's fascinating stuff. And we, we, you know, talked briefly. I know in the past you've, we've had some conversations about this stuff. I find it very interesting, um, man. It's almost like hearing you you tell it now. It's almost like some Matt Hardy level stuff, <laughs> right? Like reincarnation and you know this being your vessel and and what your soul lives on. And I'm not I'm I'm teasing you a little bit, but I I know that you're really into this stuff and it is fascinating. Um, you mentioned that you know you just you get enjoyment out of these um, these risk taking ventures. At what age did that start for you? Like, when did you first realize that you could, I don't know if you're fearless or if you can just 
uh, test your fears? Like, when did this start for you? Yeah, you know, I was always like that. I started riding motocross when I was nine years old. And uh, I just I, I just loved motorcycles for some reason. You know, my parents got divorced when I was two. So my dad basically did everything to to piss off my mom. So, you know, he knew I was into motorcycles. I was like, Dad, I need a motorcycle. And he's like, wait till you're eight. And, you know, when I was eight, we started looking and I got this, you know, not those little automatic scramblers that the kids used to have. I used to have a full set of like six gears it was an 80 cc bike at the time imagine a nine-year-old kid on an 80 cc motorcycle i was driving. gonna say most parents would be like wait till you're 16 that, no, <laughs> right? wait till <till> eight <laughs> and you know i i grew up in a tiny little village outside of cape town so i used to ride everywhere i used to ride on the beach the train tracks i remember falling into a bear trap one day or i don't know some kind of animal trap and I was stuck in there for hours until they found me. And I've always just loved doing stuff like that. You know, I, I grew up in Africa. So I grew up climbing these massive trees. We would climb so high that we couldn't get down. Or we would climb so high and like, break the branches and see if we can take a bump at the bottom without, like, breaking any bones. And <laughs> that's the type of kid I was. I remember, like, um, putting on my Spider-Man outfit and just trying to climb up sides of buildings. And, you know, I had a ninja outfit, which, you know, on Saturday nights, I used to go out and spy on people. And um, I had to entertain myself. You know, we didn't have a lot of entertainment in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, this was as advertised, PJ. This is a, a fascinating conversation. Uh, <laughs> we will continue it right after this short break. Hi, I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Monday, the same day as this podcast, as we catch up on all the groundbreaking ROH news and get some exclusive comments from some of your favorite stars. We also have some really great weekly segments like Question of the Week and my personal favorite, the Week by Week Physique. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for Week by Week. All right, we're back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is PJ Black. Uh, I want to talk to you about biohacking. Mm. Uh, that's something that you mentioned uh, also in the article that we've been referencing. Can you explain what that's all about? So it's just biology hacking, the, some cheats, tips and cheats that the big pharma medical community don't want you to know, you know, just little natural things that you can do to make your quality of life better to um, mostly anti-aging for a lot of people it's anti-aging you know because most people want to live a little bit longer think about this if there was a magic pill for you to be healthier or live longer people would pay copious amounts of money for that so biohacking is just showing people like easy little tips and tricks to just make your life better you know a lot of people also say like oh i don't want to live forever but you want to live well while you're alive you know you don't want to get arthritis or like a heart attack when you're 50 or any of these health complications because that messes up the quality of your life so biohacking is just having a healthier better life basically or trying to extend the quality of your life if that makes any sense sure this is the subject that you're writing the book about correct yes correct so it started off on that but then I kind of like I'm branching off right now into a few other areas, which, you know, obviously I'll discuss this with my publisher to see if I should stick to that one subject or should I just do a, a kind of like an overall self-help book with, with some meditation techniques, with some nutrition, with some recipes and stuff like that, which I think is the best way to go. But, you know, I mean, the, the publishers will make this decision, but mainly biohacking, yes. <laughs> 
you're also very much into yoga, aren't you? I love yoga. It's, yeah, I wish I discovered it much in a, at a much younger age in life. I had a uh, conversation on the last episode with Serena Deeb, who is a certified yoga instructor, and she also talked about. Oh the- wow! I did not know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, she also talked about the benefits of it. That you know, it doesn't just get you into good shape, but that mentally, it really it gets you into good mental shape and mental, even spiritual, because it connects the the metaphysical with the physical. People don't realize that, you know, and because it does that, people think it's it's a religion or a spiritual thing. It's not. It's it's just a practice. It's just a it's not a teaching. It's not a it's not a, a practice or a religion. It, well, it is a practice rather. That's what's a lot of people in the West don't understand. Right, right. The only thing I really know is uh, DDP yoga. That's what, I've, that's what <laughs> I've done, PJ. I mean, there's tons of different yogas. Uh, DDP yoga works. I mean, it does work. It does work. It definitely, definitely does. Any movement works. Like I, I, I make up my own yoga moves. Like I, I, you know, like just like DDP did. Like whatever you know, what your body needs, and I mean, obviously there's certain moves and poses that you need to get through to get certain. Um, qualities out of it or whatever you need to get out of it, but you can just move your body in different directions and make up your own yoga. Do you still lift at this point? Cause I know when DDP started his yoga, he said like, at least for him, he stopped lifting. Oh, I stopped lifting years ago, like two, really? three years ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, every once in a while, if I go to a gym, I'll do cleans and snatches or deadlifts and stuff like that, that I cannot do at home. But for me, it's, it's push-ups, pull-ups. I have these two little parallel bars at home, and it's it, and yoga. Wow. And, and you're jacked. And I'm in the best shape of my life, actually. And, and I'm, I'm 40 next year. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I'm starting this, to like you less and less, PJ, you know? <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. This is not fair. Like, you're aging in reverse. <laughs> that, well, that's exactly what biohacking is, is okay. aging in reverse. <laughs> So, yeah, if, you, if anyone wants to know anything about it, it's, it's a fantastic topic. And, and these are all easy things. You know, there are some supplements that you can take, but it's really just understanding how energy works and how, how the, the earth's energy works. You know, like you could literally just by grounding yourself, earthing, everyone's heard that term. You can just walk barefoot on the earth, on like on the beach or on the grass for like five minutes a day, get some direct sunlight on you. You'll get every single spectrum of color. Uh, we all know that light heals people and it's just simple things like that where you can just, and, 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 and you, it's an immediate feeling. If you walk barefoot in nature, you will feel good. I mean, we all know that that's, that's just, a, it's, it's, a, we just don't know the science behind it yet. And that's why people say it's all pseudoscience, but if it works, why not do it? And it's so easy. It's not like I have to take a pill or an injection or anything like that. Literally just walk barefoot outside. Wow. And we can all do that. That's for sure. Exactly. It's easy to do. And and that's just one little thing, you know, like it goes really deep. But if if you start with that, you know, breathing exercises, five minutes of yoga or meditation, people go, I don't know how to meditate. Just sit there. You don't have to do anything. Just (laughs) sit there. People go, I don't know how to clear my mind. That's fine. A, A monk doesn't even know how to clear his mind. Just sit there. The universe will take care of the rest. Just sit there and listen to yourself breathe. It's that easy. Just five minutes. I think I speak for all Americans when I say if there's one thing we're good at, it's just sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> there we go. It's a form of meditation. Yeah. A lot of people hear the, the phrase, the third eye, opening up your third eye. Mm-hmm. What does that mean exactly to a layman like myself? Um, so you have different parts of your brain. Your third eye is like in the middle of your brain, which is 
they call it a third eye because it, it literally looks and reacts just like your retina, your eyeball. It can, it can take in light. Um, and once you learn how to open that, you can close your eyes and you can actually see around you. Um, you know, the, the, some people are born with that. Um, they teach us not, if, if, if we teach kids that from a young age, they'll grow up with like superpowers, but that for some reason they try to suppress that and they don't want us to know that. Um, if you've ever been to the Vatican city, it used to be one of the main things in religion, which they taught people for some reason. Now they don't. I mean, that's a, I mean, you might think that's a conspiracy theory, but anyway, so <laughs> well, I was gonna uh, ask, because when you say they, they don't want us to know that, or they don't teach us that who is they. I don't know, the, the, the 1%, the cabal, the Illuminati, whoever runs this planet, because it, it's definitely clear to me that someone is behind all this stuff. You know, like people, people think they have a choice. And again, people are going to call me a conspiracy theorist now, but I don't think you have a choice between Democrat and Republican. I think there's one deep state or one secret government that runs both those parties and they make you believe that you have a choice. Because um, I, I found an article the other day, and sorry, we're getting off topic, right? But I have to get this out. An 11-year-old girl did a, a school project where she tracked, traced down every single um, American president and every single king of queen in, in Europe bloodline, and they all tracked down to the exactly two or three different families' bloodline. Every single president, including Obama, <laughs> which, is, which I found fascinating. So there's definitely that, something going on. Is that on. legit? That sounds like fake news to me, PJ. I mean, it does. And you can go check this stuff. But I mean, I, I, I tell people this. Like, people always go, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Oh, that's fake news. But you know what? Take it with a grain of salt. Go do your own research. Like, this is what I found. And I found multiple stories and, and fact-checking websites that could check this. Do not use fact-checking website, by the way, because that's owned by Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, um, this podcast would turn into a conspiracy theorist podcast. Oh, this is, this is I, I love having <laughs> these conversations with you. It always, it definitely, I always think, you make me think, PJ, so that's, that's a good thing. It's always good to make people think. Exactly, and, and that's what I'm going to write in the book too. Like, I want people to, to make up their own minds. Don't, don't listen to me. Don't listen to, to the Pope. Don't listen to the president. Don't listen to any of these parties. Go make up your own mind. Do the research. Like, you know what resonates with you. You'll read something and be like, somehow in your bones, it's written in your DNA. Like, it'll vibrate in a certain way. You'll know. Like, whoa, okay, that is real or that is not real. And then, you know, you go read two or three. That's why I always read nine books on every, every single subject. Because I used to read just one book and be like, oh, now I know everything about the Akashic Records. And then I realized, no, different people have different views and opinions. And now I don't take anything for gospel, even the Bible. I grew up super religious, but I read every single Bible, and which makes my, my <laughs> mom very mad that I study other religions. Because she's like, no, that's wrong. But I, I just want to know. I'm curious. It's not because I'm studying it that I believe it. Or if I'm listening to a conspiracy theorist that I believe everything he says. I'm just trying to educate myself. I'm trying to take in knowledge from different areas, from different people, and then I make up my own mind. And that's what people should do. Instead of pointing figures and judging and be like, you're a conspiracy theorist, or, oh, you're wrong, or like, oh, you're a Satan sometimes. I'm like, whoa, relax. <laughs> just do a lot of research. Okay, well, I got to ask this question. You're not one of those flat earthers, are you? <laughs> no, because, I mean, any, anyone who's ever read a physics book will understand how that works. Okay, good. You had me, you had me okay. You know, Flip Gordon was doing that gimmick for a while, but he was actually on the podcast and said he was just messing with people. 
Oh yeah, I could tell from day one. Like I just, I have two or three friends who do that, and some of them take it like seriously, and they they won't even tell me that they're messing with people. But I know you can look in someone's eyes, and you can just know if they believe that or not. Right. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about your uh, your workout routine. We've talked about uh, sort of your mental approach to things. Another important factor in in being in, like you said, the best shape of your life at almost forty years old has to be your diet. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, my, my background is in nutrition. I actually have a master's in, in sports nutrition. I wanted to get my PhD, but I realized that it was just a piece of paper, you know. It's, that's not, I'm not never going to work in that unless I get seriously injured in wrestling. <laughs> Maybe that's a good idea. But anyway, I, I read a lot of books on nutrition. I wanted, and the thing about nutrition is there's not people go, hey, what's the best diet? There's not one best diet that, that works better for one person. Everyone is different. You have to find what works for you. For me, I, I really enjoy the keto diet. It's a high-fat diet. Um, you know, I stopped taking all these joint medications because of it. And I, I also did a lot of research on this because the first thing people go like, oh, you eat a lot of fat, you're going to get a heart attack. That is not true. That, that is not true. Like When you get high cholesterol, one of the first things a doctor tells you is like, hey, stop eating egg yolks. And you can go research the hell out of this. I read a lot of medical journals. I'm a nerd like that. If you eat a lot of cholesterol, your body doesn't make cholesterol. That's not how, your, how the body works. That's like saying if you eat a lot of green apples, you're going to turn green. So there's a lot of things like that which people don't realize. But anyway, coming back to the diet thing, um, I love – I stopped using all these bodybuilding supplements too. I, I love using superfoods, you know, like ashwanda, um, mushrooms like non-psychoactive mushrooms is actually fantastic for the brain we only discovered discovering it now recently like uh, reishi chaga lion's mane and cordyceps i'll do those four every single day of my life and then yeah i don't really try to stick to a diet because diet sounds to me like you're cutting out things I, i i do enjoy the foods that i enjoy and i try to just you know eat everything sparingly and you know it's like it's like you know, when you, when you tell yourself you cannot have something, you're going to want that thing even more. So right. I just don't do that. If I feel like having a cookie, I'll have a cookie. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't, it's, it's a, a lot of the times it's a mental thing too, you know, <laughs> but I, I will write a lot about different diets and what's best. I can tell you one thing if people, cause people will always ask this, what's the best diet that not, there's not one diet that is better than the other. The, the only thing that's good and bad is the, the source, the quality of the ingredients, you know? If you get fruits and veggies that are sprayed with pesticides and stuff, it's, it's obviously gonna reflect that in, in, your, in your gut, in your, in your stomach, you know? So if you just eat good, clean, organic, healthy foods and people go, oh, I cannot afford like organic foods. It, what, it costs a dollar more for, for whatever the, for whatever it is, say it's an apple, but I promise you that apple will keep you fuller for much longer because it doesn't have all the GMOs and pesticides and all the other crap that they put in there. Well, isn't it kind of difficult? Don't you feel like in a way that like the deck stacked against us here as far as eating? I mean, you go into a store, I mean, you'd really, it seems like it would really take a massive effort to read, you know, labels on everything and figure out what's good, what's bad, because it's so confusing. You see stuff that's fat free, but then you realize, well, that's bad because you need fat. I mean, it's, it's really a learning process, right? I mean, this isn't, it doesn't just come naturally to most people. 
no no and it is very hard you know but but once you understand the the game if you will you know like what the, the how the fda labels work you'll understand and and i mean it's, it's pretty simple if you want to be healthy you want to eat something that's not processed that that's that's where you need to start and what is processed everything that the, that's in the middle aisles of a supermarket when you walk into a supermarket everything on the outside is one ingredient you know an apple there's nothing added to that that's just an apple you know, but if you go eat a cookie, there's like sugar and flour and like all these other ingredients. If you eat one ingredient food, you'll be, ha you'll be good. Even bacon. Bacon is super healthy as long as it comes from a good source, you know, because bacon is one ingredient. <laughs> okay. Well, I love bacon, so I'm, I'm, I'm digging that. I like love bacon. That's why I like the keto diet because it's not for everybody, but it's foods that I like because I love bacon and cheese. So I put cheese and bacon on everything. And people go, oh, your arteries are going to get blocked. I'm like, you clearly don't understand how the body works. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on fasting? Fasting is fantastic. I actually wrote a lot of chapters in my book about that. Uh, and there's different types of fasting, you know, intermittent fasting, uh, prolonged fasting, 24-hour fasts are my favorites. I'll do those once a week. And then the intermittent fasting, I'll do two, three times a week. And now once a month, I'll do a 72-hour fast, a three-day fast. And it's, a, it's just fantastic. It's, people, people think like, oh, I, I, don't, I, cannot, I cannot ever do that. It's, it's actually very easy. And it's, 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 the benefits are just amazing. You'll, just, you'll feel amazing. Your mind will just be completely clear. It's almost like resetting your, your nervous system in a way, you know? I tell you, I go like six hours without eating. I'm really hungry and I start getting lightheaded. I, how do you go 24 hours without any food? You just, are you mean, are you just drinking water? Like, do you not get water. hungry? You drink water and tea. So when you get hungry, right, that means you're, you're probably insulin resistant. So that means you, you eat a lot of carbs. So every time you spike your insulin, it goes up, right? And then the higher you spike it, the quicker it'll come down. So people that eat a lot of carbs or people that eat every two hours, they'll get hungry all the time. Trust me, if you eat a little bit more fats and just skip breakfast every day to do the intermittent fasting, you will never get hungry. Like those three days for me, is actually easy. Like I just drink a lot of water. I don't even think about food because I never get hungry because my insulin is controlled in my blood. I want to be more like you, PJ. Every, I, I, <laughs> this is what I aspire to. <laughs> Making me blush. <laughs> All right, we have to take another quick break and then uh, we'll come back with more with PJ Black right after this. I'm Quinn McKay, your host of Ring of Honor Wrestling and the new year brings tons of opportunities, including your opportunity to represent your favorite Ring of Honor star by wearing their merchandise, including me for some reason. So log on to ROHProShop.com now to get yours. All right, we're back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is PJ Black. We've had a lot of fun on this show uh, so far. I want to uh, sort of change gears a little bit and talk about something that's really serious. Uh, when you were a teenager, you had a really traumatic experience. Uh, your father, Paul Lloyd, who actually was a wrestler in South Africa, also a promoter, uh, he was shot and killed right in front of you when you were, what, 16, 18 years old or so? Um, yeah, I think I was just turned 18. I think, yeah, I was, I was in my final exams in high school. I mean, I, I think for all of us listening to this, we, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us cannot imagine anything like that. What was, what were the circumstances and how have you dealt with it? Yeah. I mean, it was tough. I was 18. 
18-year-old kid at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, my parents got divorced when I was two. And I always wanted to live with my dad because I always wanted to be a pro wrestler, you know. And he, was a, he had a wrestling school. He was a pro wrestler, promoter. He ran many other companies too. And so when I was 16, the court said I could decide where I want to live. So when I was, when I was 16, I was like, cool, I'm going to move in with my dad because I want to wrestle. So, you know, packed up my stuff. My mom was very mad. Like we had to wait till she was at work. Anyway, take all my stuff, moved in with my dad so I can wrestle, which, you know, it was exactly two years to the day that I moved in with him that this happened. So that's actually when I started realizing, wait, maybe everything does happen for a reason. But anyway, I was an 18 year old kid. It was, it was, it was kind of tough back then, but it, it didn't hit me immediately. You know, I was in the middle of, of exams at school and I was like, man, I got to, I promised my dad that I would finish high school because I wanted to drop out of high school because I knew I was going to be a wrestler. But he told me, he goes, if you drop out of high school, then you have to pay rent. So promise me right now that you'll finish high school. So I promised him that. So I had to finish it. So like the, that, that whole week was just a blur for me. You know, all the stuff that we had to, to do. I remember people coming to my house and just be like, oh, your dad promised me this and just started taking stuff. And I just, you know, I was in such a weird state that I didn't even care. I was like, yeah, whatever, just take that, take that. And, you know, people expected me to take over his company. I was 18 years old at the time. So I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just a child. So I packed a backpack and I started just backpacking through Europe, you know, trying to soul search and didn't want anything to do with wrestling because my dad, you know, he was, he was my, my tag partner. He was my, my coach, my best friend. He was, you know, he meant everything to me. So it was, it was really hard at that time, but I remember taking it pretty well, but you know, like when you suppress an emotion, it becomes worse almost when you bottle it up. And for years and years and years and years, I carried that with me until about about a year or two ago, you know, on this new journey that I, that I am, I, I tried some, some of these holistic medicines that uh, some of the shamans helped me out with <laughs> in South America and, uh, you know, little potions that they make. And that, that helped me out extremely. It was almost like, you know, I don't want to even say that, but I could, I could feel him. I could talk to him and, and that changed my life. And that since that day, I just felt much better about life too. And, 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 you know, Earlier, I told you that I don't really believe in, in life and like in death. I think it's just a transformation. And ever since that day, I could feel that. And I could, I could feel that my dad's energy, if you will, was right here. And it just, it was the most liberating feeling ever. And it took me this long to, to deal with that. If you, if you can talk about it, um, what were the actual circumstances of, of how he died? My um, my dad was kind of like a hero in South Africa. He, you know, there's multiple paper clippings of him saving someone. I remember like we were on a bridge and like, you know, I've been in, 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 in cars when it was hijacked. I've had AK-47s held to my head. I've been in a bank while I was being robbed. Um, I was being in a gas station while I was being robbed. You know, like it, in certain parts of South Africa, that's the norm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they don't put this stuff on the news or anything like that. But anyway, and so my dad was known for that. Like I've seen him, like we're on a bridge one day and a car T-boned us and they try to hijack the car. My dad just like beat up like these four dudes, took the key, stuck the one guy in his ear, eardrum burst, threw the other guy off the bridge. The other guy ran away. You know, my dad was always like that. He was a pretty badass. And I guess this, his secretary that worked for him at the time was in trouble and she called him and he was like, yeah, 
uh, I gotta go. I gotta go check on her, I guess. And her husband was a cop, I guess. And you know, it was just everything happened so quick. He tried to save this lady, and yeah, that's that's what happened. <laughs> ah, and you were there. Yeah, it was a tough time. Wow. And we had a massive argument too right before that happened. So, you know, it, it, I, that's, that's what was the hardest part for me because we were, you know, like I said, he was my best friend. He was my mentor, my coach and everything. But we had the, the craziest argument that day too. So that the last thing I, I said to him was, was negative stuff. So that, was, that was the hardest thing for me. Yeah, yeah. I can, man, I can only imagine. Let's, let's talk about a happier, some happier times uh, <laughs> with your dad. We mentioned he was a famous pro wrestler there. Obviously, he was a promoter there, as we said. What was it like just growing up there in South Africa with the dad who was, you know, the biggest wrestling star around there and uh, you being around the business all the time? What was that like? It was cool, you know. Um, I remember, you know, obviously, I was always a wrestling fan. My dad used to travel a lot, so he used to bring me back VHS tapes so, you know, I, I always watched wrestling from around the world. But I remember when wrestling became a thing in South Africa, probably in 94 it was, right? It was pretty late. The first ever match, WWF match at that time they aired was the WrestleMania 4 main event. And I remember the next day at school, all the kids were like, wow, that was amazing. So, you know, I already had the tape of the whole show and I had WrestleMania 1, 2, and 3 and I had all the other wrestling tapes. So immediately I became the popular kid at school because <laughs> wrestling just became a massive thing. So that was a, that was a pretty positive memory. But, uh, you know, it was up and down. I feel like it's, it's, it's a different culture in, in every country wrestling is. And, and wrestling is a universal language. And, you know, it, it's... I definitely have met a lot of interesting friends and fans around the world because of wrestling. You mentioned that um, after your father's tragic passing that, you know, you were 18 people just kind of assumed that you would take over the family business and start promoting pro wrestling in South Africa. But obviously at 18, that's not something you wanted to do and you wanted to be a wrestler yourself and, and travel around the world but it's something you've actually taken upon recently, correct? You were promoting shows in, in South Africa. Yes, yes. You know, I've always wanted to do that. or I've always toyed with the idea of if I retire and go back to South Africa and maybe set up a wrestling school because I cannot tell you how many kids reach out to me on social media and email and, and however other way. Like, hey, how did you do that? Where did you train? Like, how do I follow in your footsteps? So I feel like I, I should pave the way forward for the younger generation. And so I always wanted to start a school. So, but you know, that was, that project was like five years away. And then I met this promoter who wasn't into wrestling at all. He was promoting other events and uh, he, he laid down this idea of promoting some events. And I was like, Oh yeah, I like the way this guy works. You know, I was going to do this anyway in five years from now, but maybe this is the universe telling me something. And we just, we just jumped into this full steam ahead and, you know, ran a couple of shows, had some problems, like any startup promotion, like any wrestling company. And then COVID happens and it's just like one thing after the other. But uh, hopefully after this, we can resume what we started there. Do you think there's a real uh, thirst for, for pro wrestling there from South Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I think there's a fantastic, massive, massive untapped market right now, especially now that international wrestling is getting so big, you know, the indies and, you know, there's a lot of companies right now 
places to go. And I always used to say that the African countries were 10 years behind. So, but they're catching up real quick, you know, because, like, you know, they can watch pretty much any company on, on, on YouTube these days. You know, that's, a, that's another thing. Like when I was a kid, you couldn't like watch any of these matches. Now you can just type in your favorite wrestler onto YouTube and watch all these matches and you can stream live events from Africa, from Ghana, from anywhere in the world. So I think technology has made wrestling such a, a global what's the word I'm looking for Com uh, entity <laughs> sure once you uh, get back once everything gets back to some sense of normalcy and you're able to uh, promote shows again uh, are you gonna are you gonna be like Vern Gagne was back in the day and, and <laughs> on top for like 20 years <laughs> no probably not I, I really just want to pave the way for the younger generation <laughs> but i'm in the best shape of my life right now so if any of these kids can keep up with me i welcome that i want that <laughs> awesome um, that's why i want to teach these kids in south africa because i feel like there's a lot of talent right now there's a lot of youngsters right now they just need a little bit of guidance you know and, and i feel like that's what i want to do i want to, I want to pave the way for them but uh you know i do book a lot of international shows i do enjoy that coming back to your previous question uh, right before COVID happened we were actually in Barbados and Qatar which was probably two of my favorite trips I've ever done um, I've been I, I've been to 65 countries now by the way I don't know if many people know that or a lot of people think that's a work but that's a, a shoot <laughs> um, I, I've done well I started like writing down the countries and it, it's been fantastic but I'm working on a lot of countries that I don't have. So I'm currently working on Argentina and Brazil. So I hope that works out pretty soon. I don't soon. think I could name 65 countries. <laughs> I know most people, most people in the US cannot even name 50 states. I wrestled in 48, by the way. What are the two you haven't been in? Alaska? Nope, I've been in Alaska twice. No. I'm missing, I've been in Vermont and Montana. Those are the two I miss. I've been, ah. I, I wrestled, yeah, I wrestled in Alaska twice. I wrestled okay. Kurt Hawkins on that loop, I remember being sick as hell. <laughs> <laughs> had nothing to do with Kurt, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. I, I, this is the worst flu I've ever had in my life. And I was like, man, this is like the one week, the one place that I, you know, probably won't get to go to very often. <laughs> it was in the middle of winter, too. It was snowing. It was incredible. What an experience. Wow. Well, we got to squeeze some uh, Ring of Honor talk in here. Uh, oh, yes. Since this is the ROH Strong podcast. One of my favorite subjects, by the way. Oh, mine too. Uh, well, as we've just talked about, you've been around this business a long time. Um, you've wrestled all over the world. You've worked with a lot of top stars. You've been on some really talented rosters. What, have, what are your thoughts on the ROH roster as a whole and from a talent standpoint and also just the, the vibe of the locker room? Uh, I'm just going to go out and say this flat out. I think we have the most talented roster in the world. And, and I'm not biased when I say that. It was one of the deciding factors for me when I signed. I looked at the roster and I was like, man, this is a fantastic roster. And if they give me greater freedom, I can have amazing matches with every single one of these kids. <laughs> it's so funny. Huh? Now that I've been doing this for 23 years, I can call people kids. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really do like the roster. The, the vibe is fantastic. You know, like everyone is super creative backstage. Everyone wants to just, you know, help each other out and put on a good show and like you said i've worked for many companies and in some companies that is the case but in a lot of companies that's not the case 
are there any names uh, that come to mind? Not that you want, um, you know, obviously you're not slating anyone, but any names come to mind of guys in Ring of Honor that you'd like to get in the ring with that you haven't had the opportunity to do so as of yet? Oh, so many. I mean, Slex, I'm really excited to get in the ring with Slex. Um, we also signed another Australian guy, Adam Brooks. Yep. Um, I've, I've been... I've been booked against him for the last five years and then either he gets injured or I get injured and then or some, somehow the show gets canceled or maybe I miss my flight or he misses his flight. It's, it's, it's happened so many times that I think once this does happen, it's going to be magic. And, you know, those are just the two guys that I can think of at the top of my head, but there's so many others. I mean, I'd love to wrestle PCO. You know, it's a completely different style. Uh, um, you know, and, and all the other, all the other guys on the roster, but most of them I have wrestled so far. And you know, like the young, young up and coming kids, I believe that Flip Gordon, Bandito, and um, Dragon Lee, those kids are the the future of pro wrestling. Not only of ROH, but just of pro wrestling as a whole. So the fact that we signed those kids, I think ROH is up there. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, when you look at this roster. It is, it, and the, you know, the, the matchups that have already happened obviously have been great, but the potential matchups that haven't happened yet. Right, I mean, right. It, it is amazing. I know. I can't, I'm so excited to see what uh, the next year of Ring of Honor matches holds for us. Well, let me bring uh, another Ring of Honor star's name into the conversation. He's known as the Mecca, Brian mm. Johnson. Seems like you've made some progress with him as of late. I've been, I've been paying attention to his social media. Seems like there's been an attitude change. I mean, how would you say, say things are going with him? Yeah, it's been good. You know, like I said, I like a challenge and I'm teaching him everything that I have learned since I've been on this, I wouldn't call it spiritual journey. Let's just say different path. And I've, I've been teaching him everything and he's smart. He gets it. He, uh, he just has, and I hate to use this term, but anger issues if, if you will but i feel like that's a good thing i just have to teach him how to direct that anger into winning matches or making better decisions in in a wrestling ring and in life as well and i think i've been i've done a pretty good job um, there was a few times that he didn't listen to me and he didn't follow instructions pretty well and then a few things have happened to him but he sees <laughs> the, the the wrongfulness in his ways and he's willing to learn and he wants to learn and sometimes I don't I'm not sure if he's just humoring me but I, I think that that I have a positive effect on him and uh, you know I want to help this kid become a world champion I definitely see something in him um, that's the only reason I, I took on this project if you will plus I also saw how good Silas was doing with Josh Woods. And I was like, man, I can do that. I've been doing this for such a long time. I can teach people anything about wrestling. But now that I have these added skills too, you know, I can teach people yoga, meditation, and you know, the art of, art of breathing and all that stuff. And I feel like that's what he needed. And uh, he's, doing a, he's doing a really good job with it. All right. Well, if you could pull this one off, this might be the greatest accomplishment of, of your career. If you can... Uh... Ian <laughs> Johnson, not obviously very talented guy, but if you can get him uh, in the right mindset, attitude wise, then uh, that is quite a feather in your cap, my friend. I, I know. Thank you so much. And that, that's, I'm working towards that. But I, I think, like you said, he's done a really good job. He, uh, I don't know if you've seen him lately. Uh, I, actually, later today, I'm not sure when this airs, but later today, we actually were filming a, another Ring of Honor exclusive show. So I'm, I get to spend a couple of hours with him online. 
So <laughs> I'm excited for that. And he's a complete change person lately. He's, he's, I don't know, like you said, like go look at his social media. It's actually very entertaining. Yes. The show that you mentioned, it will actually, um, I'm not sure when it is airing, but yeah, we're, it's being taped. It's being recorded today. It might come out. Uh, I'm not sure if it comes out before or after this podcast, but just we'll let the cat out of the bag. It's a, it's a game show type uh, feature called sparring partners. And it's sort of based on the old newlywed game, the American game show from the seventies and eighties where it's basically how well do you know your tag team partner? So I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how well you and PJ know each other. Me and Brian. Sorry, yeah. You and Mecca. <laughs> you are, I'm sure you know PJ very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's my best friend. <laughs> you know mecca was he would kill me if i didn't mention his name i know he gets his feelings hurt if you don't talk about him so but that was his old self his new self is a little oh, that's bit right. different that's but right. he 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 did call me yesterday and he's like yo man you gotta make me a potion because i, I want to go back to normal so I, i've been trying to talk to him i'm sitting him down i'm like what is normal like what is normal there is no such thing as normal what you think is normal every single person's normal is different he goes okay um, but I want to feel the way I did. I'm like, why? Why do you want to feel the way you did? Like, did you, uh, it always makes me feel like a psychologist sometimes. <laughs> but uh, no, he's a good kid. I, I think he's super talented. He's, uh, especially in the ring. Like, he reminds me of an old school Arn Anderson. And th those were my, my favorite guys to watch as a kid. Well, that is, man, that's a, that is certainly a high compliment. I hope that doesn't go to his head. Yeah. All right. Well. Too late for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take one more break. And then when we come back, we're going to play 10 questions with PJ Black. Ring of Honor presents the best Dungeons and Dragons on the planet with Joe Hendry as Mega, the singing sensation, Beer City Bruiser as Maynard, Dwarven Cleric of Ale, Session Marth Martina as Thea, Brawler Milanus as Ander the Bold Barbarian. And cheeseburger at Santee. Together, these wrestlers become heroes. Join these stars and more for Role Play of Honor. All right, we're back on the RH Strong podcast with PJ Black. It's time to play 10 questions. Woohoo! And it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin. All right, question number I one. suck at these games, by the way. Oh, no, I'm sure you'll be great. <laughs> well, but, well, hey, maybe I finally found something you're not good at, so that's a, that's a good thing. I was just going to say that. Can't be good at everything. <laughs> no, of course not. All right, question number one. What's something on your bucket list? This is probably a tough question for you because you've done so much, but is there some, another goal out there that you haven't done yet? Um, ooh, yeah, that is a tough one. I, I've always wanted to get my paragliding license, and I'm actually starting that this Saturday, actually, that's like three days away. So <laughs> that's my bucket list complete. I mean, I have a few things in wrestling. I have a wrestling bucket list too. And I have completed pretty much everything on there except one thing. And I'm not going to tell people what it is because when that one thing happens, the world will know. Huh. Right. <laughs> that's good, PJ. I always leave them wanting more. I'll leave them exactly. Back. Exactly. Okay. Question number two. This is, this is a good one for you. Do you ever see yourself getting married? No. 100%, no chance. No chance, no kids either. I mean, if I can help it, you know, like, it's so hard. Like, I mean, I love kids. I love other people's kids. I just don't see myself having kids. 
you know, because I have such a, a crazy lifestyle. I'm all over the place. You know, sometimes I'll just pack up my bag and go to Vegas or go to Dubai for the weekend and go skydive. If I have kids, I won't have that option. So definitely not. Okay. You know, one of my favorite bands is Kiss. I don't know how familiar you are with Kiss, but... Oh, yeah, of course. Gene Simmons said for years and years and years and years that he would never get married. He would never have kids. He did both. So I'm just saying, PJ, I think there's... Yeah, that's true. Never say never. I mean, never say never. I mean, we, we learned that from Vince McMahon, and I know that. We know that for a fact, right? Never say never. But if I can help it, probably won't happen. But yeah, again, who knows, man? I mean, I do... One day, if I'm old and I don't have kids, I would like to adopt some kids, you know, just to have that experience. And there are a lot of kids out there who need homes. And, you know, maybe that'll be another way I can do good in the universe. Well, you have a lot of knowledge to pass on. That's, you know, yeah, I have to pass it on to somebody. <laughs> All right. Question three, what person, well, this is, you know, after our conversation earlier, this is a interesting twist on this. Cause I, my, the question is what person, what person living or dead, would you like to have a conversation with? But I know you have interesting thoughts on life and death. You know, like there's no such thing as death. But anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. But right now, my hero, and I've never had a hero growing up. You know, a lot of people have heroes, athletes or their, their, their parents usually. But I've never in my life had a hero until recently, until the last few years. And whenever I say his name, people have no idea who he is. He's a polymath. His name's uh, Robert Edward Grant. He, um, he's discovered so many things. He, he's like the CEO of like five different companies. He discovered things in the pyramids recently that, that nobody has discovered before. He's a fantastic mathematician, artist. He's actually about to finish some of Tesla's unfinished work. See, this is how much of a nerd I am. <laughs> I have a scientist polymath as a euro. And if, if I can just sit down and have a conversation with that guy, that, that'd be amazing because it'll... It'll just, yeah, like, I'm actually, I'm going to see if I can take one of his, his, his college courses because it'll just answer so many questions that I have about like sacred geometry and, 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 and frequency, vibration, sound and all that stuff. But yeah, that's probably a boring answer because nobody will know who he is. <laughs> well, maybe it will. I don't know who he is, but maybe it will spark people like myself to, to look him up. And, uh, you know, we're always learning. We can always learn more. So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. question number four do you believe that there's intelligent life on other planets oh 100 percent. like how can you not you you'd have to be very very close-minded to to not think that i mean there's so many things around us every day that proves that to us i mean you can there's multiple there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books on these subjects and even if most of them are, aren't real if only one percent of, of of what you read is real then it's it's still a massive massive uh percentage i mean just think about this like how big is the universe it's it's massive it's, it's infinite it's infinite like we we know how big something is but like how big is something that is infinite it's it doesn't end it's so it has to be like we cannot be the only people out there that's impossible i agree with you and i think maybe a better question would be is there intelligent life on this planet because sometimes i wonder about it <laughs> well th this planet has seven dimensions i think once you get into higher frequencies i think that there's definitely some crazy intelligent life um 
you know, the book that I'm writing, I had to do a lot of research on a lot of different topics. And, you know, I've discovered a lot of mutants that are actually like being born in our time and kids with like special powers. And, you know, obviously the government or the secret government or these people that control these agencies, they, they get a hold of these kids when they're very young. But you must see some of the stuff that the, the, the newer kids can do. And it's only, only when they're young. As soon as they hit like seven or eight years old, they, they seem to lose these abilities. But uh, yeah, I don't want to go too much into that right now. Fascinating. I, I can't wait to read this book. What, what, what is the timetable for this? Um, you know what? I, in the beginning, I gave myself six months because I was super inspired and motivated and I was getting a lot done. But this last week, I just <laughs> haven't worked on it at all because the research has just been too overwhelming. And, you know, like then the laptop crashes and then something else happens. But I got to sit down and, and work probably realistically a year. Okay. All right. Question number five, other than the Mecca, Brian Johnson, who is your favorite tag team partner of all time? Of all time? Oh man, I've had so many. See, that's a, that's a tough one because someone asked me that once and then I said Heath and then TJ was very upset about that. And then one day I said TJ and then Heath was very upset about that, which it's really tough. Like, I mean, I cannot pick anyone. I picked all those people for, for a reason because I, I really liked what they did in the ring, who they were as a person, you know, different reasons. I mean, I love tagging with Johnny Mundo. Um, I haven't gotten the opportunity to tag with a lot of people in ROH, just a little bit with Lifeblood, you know, Mark Haskins, amazing talent, Bandito. I'd love to be in a tag match with Bandito. It'd be amazing. We can do some crazy stuff. But um, yeah, that's a tough one. Okay. I'm partial to TJ uh, Tyson Kidd. <laughs> I know, I know. I always tell people the story because of you. Remember before WWE had dark matches, um, or actually before it used to be pre-show matches, right? It used to be called dark matches, and I always yeah. tell people the story that's because of you that they have the pre-shows because, in, in a large way, it is because of you. You put me and TJ together, and you pitched that whole thing. Yeah, that's one of my things I'm most proudest of. Most proud of. Uh, during my time in WWE was getting you and Tyson Kidd together as a tag team. We can and, Yep. And doing the very first ever pre-show match, which yep. you know, what was that, might uh, not sound big, but it is big. <laughs> well, it was a pre-show at WrestleMania. It was, yep. it was um, Primo and Epico and you guys and the Usos, right? Was it three-way? Three-way tag match in, in Miami. Yep. Right. Good times. Good times. All right. Question number six. If you could go back in time, and you probably think time travel, do you think, um, that's another question, do you think time travel is possible? Oh, yeah. I mean, once you understand quantum physics, uh, it, it's 100% possible. So time in the quantum level, all time happens simultaneously. We only experience linear time in the third dimension. And it's very hard to explain how that works. You know, it's kind of like explaining to uh, a, a second dimension being what the third dimension is. But you know, like we, we know in the fourth dimension, the time travel would 100% be possible. In the fifth dimension, you can actually incarnate yourself into any, any single timeline that, that, you, that you choose. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit hard for most humans to understand the concept. So that Quantum Leap TV show, that was a shoot. That wasn't a work. Oh, yeah. Mo most of those things have a, a large percentage of truth to it and, then, and that's what they do that for you know to desensitize us and to make us realize how things really work like i spoke to this 
yogi once and he was like he's like hey have you ever seen men in black i'm like yeah of course he goes well that's a documentary <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's cool that's a cool way to think about it i guess <laughs> okay well that actually wasn't my so my actual question though was this is what are we on question six mm. is if you could go back in time to the year 2010 what advice would you give to justin gabriel oh wow that's a good one that's an um, awesome question isn't it that, that is a really good question Man, so many things. I'd have to sit him down and just be like, don't take life too seriously. Um, everything that, you, that got you to the dance, you have it. Don't listen to anyone else. Just do what you think is right. Do, don't stress so much. Just, and just don't take life seriously. Just <laughs> that would probably be the best advice. But he would, he'd probably be like, what? What are you talking about? And who the f*** are you? Get away. <laughs> I thought you were going to say one time, I think I asked you that question, like, what's your best, best advice? And I think your answer was, uh, I'll paraphrase, don't date the divas. <laughs> I know, that was funny. And uh, <laughs> they printed it, that nobody even mentioned it. It was funny. <laughs> All right, question eight. That's, a, that's the best advice in wrestling that my dad gave me. That was Ah, <laughs> okay. All right, question eight. As someone who's wrestled all over the world, what's the funniest or strangest thing that's ever happened to you on foreign soil oh man there's so many there's so many I just mean, pick one and keep in mind it's a family show okay so the one obviously the one that i picked i actually wrote for one of your articles but we had to take it out because <laughs> it's not very pg oh um let me let me see what uh okay so right before i got signed to wwe I, uh, I took this tour to the Congo. I don't know if many people know where the Congo is. The DRC, it's right in the middle of Africa. If you've ever seen the movie Gorillas in the Mist, that's yeah. where it was filmed. Okay. Anyway, so we didn't know what to expect. It was all crazy. Um, we flew on Namibia Airlines or something like that, or Zimbabwe Airlines. The airline only had two aircraft. I remember them picking us up, dropping us off. So South Africa, then you get Namibia, and there's quite a few countries in between before you get to Congo. And the plane dropped us off in some random country. And they, the excuse was, oh, the president needs this plane, I guess, because that country only had two planes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this tour is already starting off weird as, weird as heck. Anyway, stuck in this weird country for a few hours. Wait there. The plane eventually comes to pick us up. We get to Congo. Um, they're like, okay, in two days the show is, but you guys have to wrestle the locals. You guys cannot wrestle yourselves. I'm like, all right, cool. So... Let us meet the locals. Nope. K-Fabe was still very strong back then. We couldn't meet them. We couldn't, we didn't know anything about them. Okay. So now we're like stressing out. We're like, oh, what do we sign up for? Is this, this going to be some shoot fighting event? You know, like we're in the middle of the jungle. It's like rumble in the jungle. It's just like, just sand and dust everywhere. We stay in this dingy hotel. And in the middle of the night, this guy does like a lucha roll through my window. And I was like, what the f I was like, <laughs> so it was, this, was the, the dude I was supposed to wrestle. He was trying to put a match together. He didn't speak any English, but, you know, I lock up with him. Luckily, wrestling is a universal language. So he kind of go through a few things. I'm like, all right, cool. This guy can work. Next day, the show happens. You know, there's about 10,000 people. It's in the middle of the jungle. You just see trees. You imagine everyone, like, stomping their feet and, like, this dust clouds just come up. <laughs> my, my match is the first match. Still no idea what's going on, you know. Like, all my mates kind of peek out the curtain and they're like trying to see what's what's going to happen because you know I, I still don't know what's going to happen i put my kick pads on remember like taping my wrist up and be like just in case this is a real fight 
you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out swinging. <laughs> so my, my entrance plays on the first match. I get to the ring. You know, people go crazy, like 10,000 people. They've never seen, like, a guy that looked like me before. Uh, you know, so the atmosphere was insane. The guy comes out. I'm wrestling. It's not even the guy that put together the match with me. Now I'm stressing out. I'm like, what the hell is going to happen here? So I'm, like, getting ready for a real fight, you know. It's like trying to brush up my, 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 um, my ninja skills in my head. I'm like, what am I going to do? And this guy locks up and, you know, he kind of just goes with whatever I do. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. I speak to the referee and I'm like, so, like, what's the finish? What are we going to do? And the referee didn't speak any English. So I kind of just carry on beating this guy up. He doesn't fight back at all. So eventually I'm like, oh, I'm going to give this guy a comeback. So I shoot him into the, to the rope and I kind of just run into him and I just bump and feed. And, and then the ref goes, go home. And I'm like, now you speak English? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember having the referee also having a whistle. He never counted three. He was like, burr, burr. and he, you know, like, yeah, eventually I just slammed the guy, did like a senton and people went crazy. Um, that was one of the craziest experiences of my life. Also, like malaria, malaria was a big thing there. So we couldn't eat anything. I didn't have to take my malaria medication. So every night I just rubbed myself in Jack Daniels. So the mosquitoes would stay away from me. Um, you know, I, like looking back now, like I wish I didn't go on that tour. But if I didn't, I, didn't, I wouldn't have any, any stories to tell. Man, you got a whole other book that you could write. Just your <laughs> experiences on the road i know i know. I have so many good wrestling stories and I, I eventually i will i will get there and, you know people go like you should write that now i'm like don't worry i have all these stories with me you know but i'm you know i'm, I'm in the middle of, i'm in the peak of my career right now so five years from now i'm gonna have some even crazier stories to tell and then i'll write the book <laughs> all right well when it's when it comes time to write that book if you need an editor i know a guy yes perfect thank you <laughs> all right question number nine what's your most embarrassing moment in pro wrestling is there something that sticks out to you any embarrassing moments no you see as a kid everything i did was always embarrassing you know like i always asked, i always took life so seriously but wrestling actually gave me a really thick skin like i've done some crazy embarrassing things like that would be unreal embarrassing for the normal person and for a younger version of myself but like looking back now i've done so many of those that you know like even like I mean, we, we run around on international TV, oiled up in tiny little thongs sometimes, you know, like what, what's more embarrassing than that? If you think about it. <laughs> All right. Question number 10. Should Ring of Honor hire Dan Housen? Oh, yes. Absolute 100% yes. Like, I love that guy. I think he's entertaining. I think he'd be a great addition to the roster. He gels well with every other single character. I, I think so. Yes, I know so. Yes, I yes. Okay, he's politicking hard, you know. I know, and I and I've been getting on that bandwagon. I've been retweeting all his stuff. I've even been tweeting Marty about it, and like spamming the office about it. I'm like, sign this guy, sign this guy. So we're hoping it works. Okay. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. You know, he actually crashed the podcast on our last. He did. Episode. Yeah, he, he like yeah. even wanted me to try and get him a job. I told him I like. I have no stroke. There's nothing I can do for you, but that's amazing. I haven't listened to the last one yet. I'm going to go listen to it today. Okay. All right, PJ, this has been, as I knew it would be a fascinating conversation. It's always great to, uh, to wrap with you about all kinds of subjects. I think we could talk for a couple hours and never even talk about wrestling, which I think is pretty cool. Yes. I've actually been doing a lot of podcasts like that about the esoteric stuff and the philosophy stuff. And it kind of just happened. You know, and there's so many podcasts about that out there. So maybe, maybe we'll do a separate episode on that one day if people want, if people are interested. 
Absolutely. Sounds good to me. Before I let you go, where can people find you on uh, social media? And is there anything else that you would like to plug? Uh, yeah, everything's on my, my website, pjblack.com. You can buy some cool merch on there, get all the links to my social media sites and my YouTube channel. I got to get back onto posting some stuff onto YouTube. I've been having some problems with them, but yeah, you can, I'm pretty active on social media, on Instagram, but all the links are on pjblack.com. We should also mention that you'll be the featured performer on this weekend's episode of Ring of Honor Wrestling. So everyone should definitely check that out. You can go to rohwrestling.com slash TV dash listings to find out when and where that airs in your area. Okay, great. PJ, thanks again so much for uh, being so generous with your time today. Oh, thank you, man. I like, always have a good time talking about wrestling and all the other topics too. So yeah, it's been a great time. Thank you, Kevin. All right, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor on Facebook. For news of when and where, future episodes of the ROH Strong Podcast will be available. Stay safe, everyone, and let's all be ROH Strong. Yes, Dan Housen here. Hello, Ring of Housen. Yes, why not listen to PJ Housen, Daredevil of some sort, and a higher Dan Housen. Love that, Dan Housen.